0: This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The Biden administration has spent weeks fixated on Russia's encroachment of eastern Ukraine, readying responses such as troops and sanctions. In fact, Ukraine and Russia have occupied the headlines of newspapers and dominated broadcast news coverage so heavily that one might imagine the weight of the world rests on the u.s keeping russia in check this may be unsurprising considering biden's falling popularity war has been a surefire booster of presidents in the past but my guest ramsey baroud warns that biden's real challenge is not russia nor china but Poverty in America. Ramzi Baroud is a journalist and editor of The Palestine Chronicle, author of five books including These Chains Will Be Broken Palestinian Stories of Struggle and Defiance in Israeli Prisons. He's a non-resident senior research fellow at the Center for Islam and Global Affairs at Istanbul Zaim University. Welcome to the program Ramzi. Oh,
1: thank you for having me Sunan.
0: So, of course, the situation in Ukraine for Ukrainians is incredibly serious. But why do you think Biden and previous presidents, even before him, uh, every time Russia has come close to encroaching on eastern Ukraine, have taken it so seriously, even though it's not directly involved? You know, it's not it's not the U.S.'s borders at stake. We're not even on the same continent.
1: Absolutely. Now we have to differentiate uh, here between the interests of the American people and the interests of the American elite. Uh, The American people are interested in jobs. They are interested in revamped infrastructure. They are interested in funding to schools and welfare programs. They are interested in building an economy that is real and tangible and then that is based on real uh, production mechanisms and, 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 and a lot more than that, of course. Um, the American elites are not interested in that because their wealth is guaranteed. The people are getting poorer. The American elites are getting richer. Therefore, their interest is really about geopolitics. It's about power. It's about dominance. The situation in Afghanistan and the humiliating retreat of the U.S. army in Afghanistan, uh, of course, opened up also so geopolitical opportunities for Russia, China and other competitors, uh, other global competitors of the United States. And that is worrying the American elites a great deal. This is why so much emphasis on the Ukraine, not because of the significance of Ukraine to American global interests per se, although it is somewhat uh, important because of of NATO and because of the US trying to redefine uh, its relationship with NATO and so forth, and, and to show that they are, you know, remaining a global power but it's also about the overall repute and standing of the American empire, if you will. If the Ukraine is easily usurped by Russia or if the Ukraine fails to join NATO as their latest member, this is going to raise many questions, not just with uh, the leaders of the Ukraine, but questions within NATO itself, precisely France, Germany, uh, and, and, and other members who have been putting some serious doubts that, that, that NATO is actually relevant in its current form and that the U.S. remains the global power that it has, you know, uh, claiming to be over the years since the Korea conflict in 1950 until today. So this is very, very important for American elites because it's about leadership and it's about their reputation within the global stage. But does this really factor in for the everyday American? Who is trying to put their lives back together after this horrific uh, uh, pandemic and after all these, you know, nearly a million American dead, uh, and and of course the existing problems that started before COVID and before all of this, which deals with the infrastructure uh, that is dilapidating, with jobs uh, and 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 with uh, social welfare programs and all of this. The promises that were made in the last elections, very little of them, if any honestly has been delivered. So Biden is in need and the Biden administration is in need for this major distraction. Ukraine is kind of a godsend sort of situation because everything has to be shelved, everything has to be put on hold until we see what is going on in the Ukraine as far as the administration is is concerned. And in my opinion, I think the American government has been almost intentionally trying to stop the fire in order for them to prolong the crisis as much as possible. Because as long as they are prolonging the crisis in the Ukraine, as long as they are avoiding answering very, very important question regarding the the, the U.S. economy.
0: You point out in your piece about uh, Biden needing to take on poverty that his popularity is falling Um, we have midterm elections in November where there are you know where, where the control of the Senate and the House are at stake and of course there is 2024 and the presidential election looming If Biden were to follow the sort of standard playbook from the George W. Bush era, that war distracts everyone into rallying behind the president, maybe like George W. Bush, he might win a second term, assuming he's going to run. Or do you think he should be taking a lesson from the primary elections in 2016 and in 2020, where we saw Americans worrying about things like healthcare much more central to everything else
1: Um, i think there is uh, absolutely there is that need to kind of whip the public into frenzy this anti anti anti-russian sentiment that we see everywhere now is being expressing itself at at uh, media level at government level and now you kind of see it in the street as well uh is is something that followed the the war frenzy that the trump administration created around china you remember his Numerous emphasis on China, 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 and the numerous memes in social media resulting from that exaggerated emphasis on China. Well, now we have a, a better opportunity, a greater opportunity, to kind of add to that China anti-China sentiment with the anti and, and mix it with the anti-Russian sentiment, and to present the U.S. as a nation that is standing for the standing up for democracy, for human rights, for global order, and so forth and so on. But this is again it is to distract from the fundamental questions that 56 percent of all americans are and inca- key are, are are incapable of producing a thousand dollars per emergency expenses 56 so we are looking here not at the underclass the working class we are also looking at the middle class as well that is now subsisting in a semi-state of poverty poverty in the u.s the the the, the Poverty, as as defined by the global standards, is at 17 percent, but the situation is a lot worse for American workers. 40 40 percent of American workers, according to the Shift Project opinion poll that was uh, reported by NBC News and CNN and many other mainstream media, says that 40 percent of American workers have gone, uh, uh have, are, are not only not able to produce more than 400% in emergency money, which is usually a measure that is used to really kind of show the degree of of economic flexibility for the individual American family. 40, they can only produce 400% of emergency money. But here's the scary part, 20% of working Americans, these are people who go to work every single day and they put the hours and they follow the the, the law and they do everything in their power to survive. 20% of them have gone hungry in the month of December, which is a trend that continues. It happened in January, it's happened in February, and so forth, with very little hope on the horizon that this situation is going to improve. So instead of focusing on actually feeding the 20% hungry American workers and their families, we are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on a conflict that regardless of how it's resolved in the Ukraine, it will have very little impact on the daily life of the average American, whether
0: workers or not. You point out in your article that the child tax credit that provided some relief to parents for part of last year, which has now expired, which Congress has failed to renew, is having a very serious impact. I mean, it's just amazing that American parents are having trouble um, feeding themselves. But by the indicators um, that we see in the New York Times or the pages of the Wall Street Journal, the economy is booming. How are those two things true at the same time?
1: That's right, that's the, the, the fascinating part. And this is what I started my article with is that if you are viewing the situation from outside the country, you really get the impression that everything is good and dandy in this country, and then everybody is happy, nobody is going hungry, and and it's just kind of building on this kind of uh, uh, you know the, the, the media propaganda that have subsisted for so many years that we are you know we we are the best in every possible thing, whether in healthcare, whether in uh, in, in in economic sustenance, whether in in uh, uh, mortality rate and so forth and so on. But once you start actually digging into the details, you will realize that the story is, is somewhat different. The reason that these numbers show that everything is com- getting back to normal is simply because the rich and the poor and the middle class are all mixed together in the way these economic uh, uh, studies are being conducted. But if we know that the 1% of the richest in this country have doubled or tripled their wealth in, in, in recent years, you will know that the, that the issue within is not the amount of wealth that is available to everyone. They don't have a problem with that, but the wealth is allocated to a very small percentage of people. And once you start going down on the popular, on the popular scale, you start realizing that while well, the rich is getting richer, the middle class is becoming poorer and the poor is barely surviving. The kind of jobs that are being added to the market is different than the kind of jobs that give stability, health insurance for coverage in every possible way. We are talking about fast food types of jobs, services, the service industry is is exploding because people are returning back after, you know, the slowing down in the pandemic. But people are finding jobs in in really terrible kind of work conditions, the kind of conditions where again, you could have a, a job or two jobs and still sleep in your car. This new kind of homelessness, that is existing in the US today and i see it around me i live in the city of seattle which is supposed to be somewhat different than other places we have the second the second highest homelessness rate in the country meaning the kind of the type of people who get evicted from their homes on a daily basis in the city of seattle many of them are working people they live in their cars there's a church nearby that around 6 or 7 pm the parking lot of that church is completely filled, people sleeping in their cars. They wake up in the morning, they go to work, they come back and they sleep in their cars. The numbers that the New York Times and CNN keep telling us about, that everything is coming back to normal and that the economy is booming, is is, is true for the wealthiest sector of American society, but is utterly untrue for the middle class and the poorer sectors of American society.
0: Let's talk about the fact that um, you have this fixation on Russia and the Ukraine at the expense of American poverty is likely to pave the way or could potentially pave the way. And I just hate to say this, pave the way for Trump 2024.
1: That's right. And this is why, again, the obsession with Trump. We are reading uh, news reports coming from uh, officials within the Democratic party and honestly you don't even need any leaks coming from from uh, uh, Democratic party officials or Democratic party elites we actually see the reality displaying itself on TV every single day it's like Trump has never really lost office and that trump is still a, a, a reality in our our everyday life and this is this is sad because this is not the responsibility of the president, and a political party that controls pretty much major political institutions, The responsibility is not to expose what has happened, that's fine, but that should be left to the legal components of the American government. Our elected representatives should be working every day in order for them to improve the quality of life for Americans, for ordinary Americans, regardless of what the political party they come from. But this is not happening, there's this great obsession with Trump and the return of Trump and this fear mongering around Trump. And and this is what really brought Biden to power in the first place. And they are hoping that Biden would be able to hold onto power for another four years because of this specific uh, element. But if you ask the American people, well, what do you think of this? Is this the proper approach? Well, we can only get what the opinion polls are telling us. According to an opinion poll that came out in July, 2021, It tells us that only 12% of ordinary Americans or American people anywhere that actually have faith in their government institutions. They have faith in Congress or have any trust, whether from the presidency all the way to their uh, elected officials at any government level, whether state or local. This is very, very dangerous. 7% of, of those who say that they have faith in the government are Republicans, but only 12 or 13 percent come from the Democratic Party, which tells you that more or less this is not a party issue. This is an issue that and affects, affects American society across the board. We need to be talking about this as opposed to build this fear-mongering around the return of Trump and, and to basically measure the success and the failure of the Democratic Party. Based on whether Trump remains in power or or, or Trump returns to power or not.
0: Now the Democratic Party might do well to focus on poverty issues, you know, as much as possible ad nauseum. And to some extent, they did try, and failed because of Republicans um, blocking them, because of corporate Democrats like Kirsten Sinema and um, Joe Manchin, and so, you know. (laughs) one sort of wonders whether the democratic party should have given up that easily you know even if it has failed because of these two senators shouldn't poverty or even for that matter those issues adjacent to the economy such as voting rights be front and center for democrats ad nauseum every day you know banging the drums using their bully pulpit biden using his bully pulpit to say it doesn't matter as much if Russia invades Ukraine if Americans can't put food on their tables. That's right, and 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 indeed uh, we
1: understand, of course. I mean, we understand the nature of American politics, whether Biden, Trump, or any other administration and any other president. There will always be this push and pull in the type of relationship that exists in Congress. But that should not dissuade us or or allow us to claim that well we have done. Um, our best, but it's the Republicans' All This is an issue that has to be dealt with at a grassroots root level. Um, the president has uh, uh, a lot of powers in his hands. The Congress has a lot of, of, of leeway, a lot of margins in which this issue can indeed be placed at the center, at the core of ev- their everyday politics, if that was indeed the intention. But what I worry about is that it seems that we are kind of becoming comfortable with always assigning our failure to someone else's standing in the way. So at the end of the day, the Democrats will say, well, we have tried our best, but the Republicans were standing in the way and they prevented us at every corner from achieving anything. But how true is that really? And how do we measure whether you actually tried your best or not? And this is why I feel like there has to be a conversation within the Democratic Party itself Uh, uh, To actually kind of get over the the Trump phobia and try to confront their own demons within the party itself and to focus on what should the priorities of the Democratic Party be at this particular stage, uh, which, you know, at a time of absolute hardship for a lot of people who are hearing so many promises and very little action on the ground.
0: There was a hearing held by the Senate Budget Committee last week uh, and of course the chair of that committee is Senator Bernie Sanders focusing on the Met Warrior coal um, strike and wall street greed that was literally in the title of the senate hearing wall street greed it got so little attention in the same newspapers that are proclaiming that the economy is booming um it just seems remarkable to me that we do have some attention in the government but of course what the media chooses what our corporate media chooses to amplify or not amplify also plays a part and again, all of that will be to the detriment of the Democratic Party, eventually to the detriment of all Americans, right?
1: That's right. I mean, the media is part of the story. The media is not an outside party that is, you know, doing their best to report on the news in the most objective way possible. They are part of the institutions. And we see the the, the party line and, and not just the party line expressing itself in the way that uh, various uh, Liberal media in the U.S. Uh, cover uh, various stories. You know what to omit, what to focus on. But but even the the inner politics of the party itself. Uh, for example, the kind of attention that Bernie Sanders was getting, the negative attention uh, that uh, Bernie Sanders was getting in 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 this very liberal media that has you know touted the the uh, Biden administration for for many months. The fact you know the term an electable, the fact that the man was an electable or the claim that he was, I mean, that's a media term. You keep repeating this day in and day out. You ensure that even the average people who initially thought maybe Sanders is a man who's going to have his priorities straight, um, eventually they reach that point, well, you know, I would I don't want to see uh, any possibility of Trump coming back to power. Therefore, if I have to choose between Sanders and Biden, if Biden is going to assure me that Trump is not gonna come to power, then I would vote for him reluctantly. The media played a great deal in the development of language and the application of language and the stereotyping of individuals and the elevation of other individuals. And they continue to play this game. We remember Noam Chomsky's argument many, many years ago when he said, um, look at uh, despite the fact that the business class and the halves in this country barely constitute 1% of the population, you look at any mainstream newspaper and they have a business section. How many of them actually have a labor section, despite the fact that the labor class is the largest by far of the, any other economic classes in this country? So the the workers, the laborers, the the most disaffected segments and sections of American society are rarely, really, and this was way before Biden uh, uh, and and, and his administration, have rarely been the focus of American mainstream media. This continues to be the case, despite the fact that we hear a great deal about a change in the mindset in the Democratic Party, the rise of a new generation, younger, more, more militant, more radical, if you will. But we are yet to see that being translated to the nature of the headlines that continues to celebrate the booming economy. And there's very, very little focus on the fact that millions of people are going hungry.
0: Ramzi, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. We'll post a link to your article from our website so our viewers can share it. Thank you so much. Thank you. My guest has been Ramzi Baroud, journalist and editor of the Palestine Chronicle. He's also an author and non-resident senior research fellow at the Center for Islam and Global Affairs at the Istanbul Zem University. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.